My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Joseph Jaffe hosts a great podcast called Collective Cafe to Go. Joseph, tell listeners what to expect from the show. The Collective Cafe is a virtual coffee experience, which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot as you get ready for work. We talk business, marketing, entrepreneurship with live book reads and open mic sessions. Awesome. And where can people subscribe? Follow me. Follow at Jaffe Juice on social media. Find the show at marketingpodcast.net or search for Collective Cafe to Go wherever you get your favorite podcast. You heard him. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marketers Shooting the Shit. I'm your host, Sean Swaim, and with me is my good friend, and I can't even begin to describe how awesome this dude is and the cool stuff that we're doing together, this life stuff that we get to uh, to embark on together. Um, Alex Garashenko, founder CEO, president, etc., of Doodle Applications, dabbles in a bit of development, both web, apps, you name it, all around smart guy, gentleman, and otherwise. That was an amazing introduction. Thank no, you. Please, please. It's a, it's a thank you for being here. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? I could say the same things about you. Man, it's oh. been uh, great, uh, great doing life and business together. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, so man. So you got, what's that, the uh, the L40? Yeah, man. I think you and I kind of discovered this cigar on the same evening. I, I grabbed yeah. it the one time before I headed over to your place. Like, oh, man, that, that looks pretty good. You don't see many Lanceros. So I grabbed it, and I know we both fell in love with it that evening. And It's a great cigar. I happened to catch it the other night, so grabbed it again. I was like, ah, oh, I'm definitely smoking that again. Nice. So... For the folks that are joining us on YouTube, again, you have the advantage because you get the visual side of this, but Alex has an impressive display behind him of different beverages from all around the world. So, you know what, let's, let's start there. Like what, what, how did you originally get into all of that? Cause everyone knows I, about um... different, you know, 
there's whiskey, rum, etc. Like, how did you get into this world? Yeah, my my first love in that world was scotch. Um, I was maybe 22, and an older a friend of mine, his older brother, had a decent scotch collection, and he had a sober, and he asked if I wanted some, and I was like, no, I don't like scotch. And he said, you probably don't like it because you haven't tasted enough. He's like, it's an, it's an acquired taste, just like olives or anything else. So he's like, why don't we do a, why don't we do a tasting? So he brought out four bottles or six bottles and he poured, he did a micro pour of each, right? Which is what I still do. Like that's the most I'll pour in my glass. When just I'm drinking, a splash. Cause, yeah, just a splash. You get like three or four sips out of it and then you move on to the next bottle. What that does is it shows you how different these spirits are and yet they start out from the same distillate but you get essence of wood you get based on where it's matured whether it's cold climate warm climate by the sea in the desert wherever um there's so much influence so i fell in love with scotch initially and started collecting scotch and then um didn't do much in the way of anything other than scotch my wife her uncle um reed bechtel uh, very well known in the uh, bourbon industry. He's like the grand poobah of bourbon. And, um, over, uh, Thanksgiving dinners before COVID, we would, he would always bring out bottles. And I, initially, I didn't know how big he was. Um, he had a very large study and just like, take this times five with stuff all over the wall, you know, all over the floors. And then his basement was like a whole nother story, you know, 20x whatever was in a study or more. And so I got to try a bunch of stuff through him. Um, he introduced me to some bourbons, uh, introduced me to Irish whiskey, which is what I'm drinking now. We'll get into this bottle in a little bit, which actually I tend to like more than scotch these days. And then when COVID started, uh, he called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm getting a few friends together. And while we're all locked down and it's quarantine, I want to do a uh, a blind sampling. I'll send out, you know, little micro bottles, which I have millions of them everywhere <laughs> something like this or smaller and just a clear bottle um you won't know what's in there and we're going to take notes on nice. what's the color what does it smell like what does it taste you know what's the palette what's the finish give your notes mm. read it and try to guess what it is and so since that time we've tasted over 300 different bottles and i've started to appreciate other spirits a lot more uh, got into bourbon, rice, weeded bourbon, uh, got into Irish whiskey more, rums, cognac, armagnac, I mean, you name it, tequila. We've run through a lot of them and it's, it's really cool seeing the subtle differences. And then yeah. we had it, we had an opening in the group and of course reached out to Sean and said, Hey man, <laughs> <laughs> this is a really cool, you know, this is a really cool group knowing that, you know, back in the day you did a lot with with brewing and with beer, that yeah. this would be something that you probably would really enjoy. And so it's been awesome having you in the group as well for it's been like a year now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I I thank you immensely always for for the invitation. It's it's really cool seeing that like I, I always joke around that like I'm very slow to start new hobbies. I have a very obsessive personality. Like when I tend to get into something, I tend to really get into it too much. That's 
where Sean, the SEO geek came from. It's like, all right, I'm obsessed with SEO. So couldn't think of a better name to give myself. I'd love to dive in a little bit, though. I've seen you in action with other things, not just, you know, spirits and and stuff like that, but down to, and this might be a little bit of an inside joke, but way down to picking out a camping chair at a Walmart in West Virginia. <laughs> yeah. That, so to give a bit of a backstory, we were on our way to an event and we all realized that our car full realized we forgot chairs. So me and another friend, we each just grabbed, you know, whatever chairs price point looked the best. Alex, though, went ahead and set himself up a full lounge <laughs> of all the different chairs to try it, to try all of these out. And I'm, I'm only bringing this and actually just looked up and that chair that I got that weekend is nice. sitting right in front of me. You know, I, I only bring that story up because I'd love to hear a little bit more about what were you like as a kid? Was that it was that, you know analytical brain like looking at the little differences was were there shades of that back then or that's interesting i haven't i haven't thought about that and it's a funny it's a funny story to bring up yeah literally in walmart had like six of the chairs out trying to figure out which one was making sean and our other friends sit in them <laughs> and you're just like can you just pick a damn chair <laughs> we got places a, to be a six hour drive turned into 12 hours yeah. Thanks to yeah. that and other <laughs> other stuff. Yeah, other tangent. I think a lot of that stems from my dad. My dad is very, very detail oriented. Like hmm. he would walk into the house and if something was moved, he would notice it. Hmm. Um, not in a bad way, but he just like he was very perceptive. Um, he's also very artistic, and so a lot of that expression came out in things that he did. Uh, he was an engineer, like he built bridges um, back in Ukraine. Um, he was an attorney, so he was a, he was a prosecutor. He was always looking at the fine fine details, and so I think I got a lot of that from him. Like even we were working on uh, when I moved into this house, we were putting down the floors together. Let's say he was putting down the floors, I was you know just helping. And we have this one area where uh, there's we have tile and it's curved, and so he wanted to cut the floors to match the curve without nice. having anything in between. The contractor that we had helping us said, you know, you shouldn't do that because like you're, you know, it's not going to be right. And then also, and my dad was like, okay, yeah, thank you for the help. And he proceeded to do it anyways. And we've been here for three years and it's still like identical. It just, it doesn't move and it's so clean around me. It's just, he's willing to do things that matter slow. I probably mm -hmm. didn't take another camping chair, but I figured I'm going to be using this <laughs> camping chair for a while. So. I don't know. I, I always go for, I'd rather move slower initially and then have easier long-term, you know, have less issues with things or buy something once. So I don't have to buy it again later. Um, yeah. So I tend to like things that I like, I, yeah, which makes my wife always gives me shit because I'm hard to, I'm hard to gift for because <laughs> I want, if, if, if I'm going to get something, it should be functional and should be quality. Otherwise don't buy it. Mm -hmm. So. Got I think it. that's where it comes from. It's probably from my Got dad. What, what is he doing now? So when we came, we came to the U.S., he learned the language, learned computer programming, and now he's a computer programmer. That's wild. So yeah. your old man, trained engineer, trained attorney, mm -hmm. and 
computer programmer. All in yeah. <laughs> all in one dude. Yeah. Yeah, you can't yeah, you can't take the same things you learned being an attorney in the Ukraine and apply them to the right. US, fortunately. But yeah. Yeah. That's wild though. It it just goes to show that, you know, it's it's kinda in your blood that you know, this willingness to learn, this willingness to adapt and yeah, yeah. I asked that of my parents. It was like because it seems okay, so take us right, mid thirties. We're going to move to a different country. We don't know the language. Yeah. We don't have a job waiting for us there. We have a kid. They did that. So I'm looking back, like, what possessed you to do that? You know, like, like, what was your thought process? And my dad said, we, we did it before. We can do it again. And he, him saying we did it before, granted, like, Ukraine, you know, unlike the U.S. is not anywhere near where the U.S. is. But even in Ukraine, there's metropolitan areas. And there's rural areas. So my dad grew up in a very, very rural area. He grew up on a farm. Okay. There was okay. pigs and chickens and ducks and you name it, right? A complete farm. My grandmother and grandfather built the house with their bare hands. Wow. So like that's how he grew up and he wanted something more. So he wanted to get into school and be an attorney. And so he like tried to get in, couldn't get in a bunch of times, finally was able to get in and then graduated towards the top of his class and got a got a good job but he was like i did it before i could do it again now and that's what they did when they came to the u.s i think that mentality of like it's okay to start over as long as you know you take a few steps back as long as you're headed down the right path course correction that's awesome and you know like you think about the subconscious piece of it you know he, he may not have been aware of it at the time, but like the lessons that that instilled in you just by osmosis <laughs> in a way, that's just like, it goes to show how important it is that you monitor how you yeah. act around your little ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, a lot of that is how I do life and where I, I guess, place time and, and values a lot of what they, uh, what I've seen from them. That's awesome. Yeah. So you moved here from the Ukraine, right? In 94. 94. So what do you remember of that journey? Do you remember what was going on through your mind? Yeah, my parents told me like a couple months ahead of time that we were going to move to the U.S. And they said, don't tell anyone. Of course, I went and told my friends that I was moving. Actually. Um, I, I remember it. I remember being excited, right? Because like you don't, you think of like the adventure as a kid. I was five years old as opposed to what else does it mean in terms of like new friends and things like just like there was none of that fear it was just this is cool and exciting i was really excited to be on a plane because i was never on a plane before mm -hmm. and i spent like a few days learning how to say in english can i please have a coke wow i wanted i wanted coca-cola when i was on the plane i, so I remember that um <laughs> so yeah, and then, how old would you yeah. have been at that point five five so you're yeah, there you like are. Two months from six. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this little six year old. His main focus. Is, yep. Give me that Coke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was just coming here was, was interesting. I came here. We initially moved in with, with relatives for maybe a month. We stayed with them and then we got an apartment in the same apartment community there and they had a courtyard. Kentwood Apartments in Philly, place that's very dear to my heart. That's where I met Kittiel. Oh, okay. Um, he was, yeah, he was the second person I met. It was, we moved into a Russian speaking neighborhood. So that was easy. 
right? So I was able to make friends really quickly and that was good. And then, um, I didn't really have to speak English until maybe like a few months later when I went to this uh, Jewish summer camp that was at a JCC in Northeast Philly. Yeah. That was interesting. I mean, for the most part, it was a fairly easy transition at that time for me. And they friends pretty quickly, uh, got into a few scraps because, you know, couldn't understand what people were saying. They couldn't understand me in Northeast Philly in the mid nineties. Yeah. But overall, they're fairly easy transition. Yeah. I mean, Northeast Philly and even the 2020s is, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, you're still going to get in a few scraps. Arguably worse. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. Kentwood. I, uh, I actually went, Kitty and I went back to see what it was like. And it's a completely different community. Wow. So what, what we used to say is we had the grandmas and the grandmas patrolled the community. They patrolled the courtyard. Mm. Grandmas would always be posted up door, like all times of the day. And they would watch the kids and we would all run around and do stupid stuff and climb trees, and ride our bikes. It's a fair, it was a very large courtyard. And we had this lady that lived there that was a police officer, Pam. Yeah. You know, where like the aviator glasses had the, had the 1980s Bronco, like just <sighs> like, you know, like lone, lone wolf police woman. She was awesome. And so she, she was like friendly with us, but like it was patrolled between her and the grandmas. Like nothing ever happened in that community. And then we went back, and it was completely different. Wow. So you have female version of American Badass, <laughs> the uh, Kid Rock song. It was written about her, not, not yeah, Kid Rock. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, hear from the people that are uh, paying the bills here, and uh, we'll see you back in just a second. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let's fast forward a couple years. You get into the burbs, so you start building your life here. You start building who you are as young Alex. What would your parents, how would they describe you as as a youngster? It's slow. I move very slowly. Okay. Yeah, I think it was it was, it was like a common joke, like in like between my my parents and I that there. So I was born. I came out like a few weeks early, and my mom would always say that that's the only thing you ever rushed for. <laughs> Everything else you've taken really slowly. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, with my wife, same thing. She's, she's the flash. Like, I don't know how she gets done, what she gets done in a day and she's able to run around. And for me, like same thing, coming back to details. I love details. I love going in and I love the analytics and thinking deep on something, but I'm not fast. And so that, that was what they, they would say that I'm very, 
they were like, you're slow at doing stuff. And later, I think that was, that helped because it was okay. Like we, we even like, we joked about it. It was never like, you know, like hurry up or speed this up. It was just something we joked about. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always focused on details. That's no, that's, yeah. And you know, I know you and I'm trying to do my best to pull this out in, you know, the 45 minutes or whatever that we have together today to, you know, kind of show that like, Hey, here's how Alex thinks. And it, you know, it definitely comes through. And again, not in a negative way by any stretch of the imagination, but like every project we work on together is well thought out. The details are there. Everyone's clear. And, you know, I think that that's a great success because, you know, in the world of marketing, so much of what I see out there is people just flying by the seat of their pants, just completely reactive. Yes. Spray and pray. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I appreciate it's like, all right, hold up. Let's take five minutes. Five minutes isn't mm -hmm. going to kill us to think this through. Yeah. My thing is communication is always the most important and beyond communication or specifically within communication, it's expectation. Like when you communicate with and you have expectations set, that's that's the most important thing. What does that mean? Client comes to you and says, I need X, Y, and Z done. How long is it going to take? Mm -hmm. If I give an answer that's not backed by something and the client uses it, like I tell them what they want to hear. Like mm. We can have this ready next week. They then take that information. They make promises to their team, to their vendors, to their clients, investors, whatever. Sure. Now they have skin in it, right? Because if they miss the deadline, it they're not just angry with me. Right. They have multiple stakeholders angry with them. Mm -hmm. So for us, so if someone asks, you know, how long is this going to take or what is this going to cost? We make sure that we go and de-risk whatever we're going to say. Sure. Sure. And then we'll come back. And so I, I always make the analogy with our team that if we say by Friday and we deliver it the following Monday, we're getting dragged through the streets. If we say, if we say next Wednesday and we deliver it on Monday, mm -hmm. they're singing our praises and carrying us through the streets. Yep. And it's just that you, you have to set the right expectation. And with that, you, you can't do that unless you focus on the details. What are the things that we need to do? Is there, is there time for feedback? Are we, you know, are we planning for that? Are we just, you know, how long is it going to take for us to launch this after it's done, right? It's done, but it's not launched. How long does mm -hmm. launch take? Yeah. And it's, it's different depending on the project. And so I think you have to think through those details to position everyone for success. Definitely. And I mean, inevitably, even with all that planning, things are still going to go haywire. You know, it's kind of the only thing we have guaranteed in the, in the world of marketing and yeah. this creative yeah, world. That we're, yeah. But there's something to be said about, okay, okay, we're, we're planning on this, this, and this. And even if those things all go well, you have that weird fringe thing that happens. So now you're like, okay, well, we've, we've already gotten a good workout on this problem solving muscle. Let's just keep using it and, mm -hmm. and you get it done. Yeah. And you have time within it. The other thing is people perform, especially engineers, right? Anything we're doing technical requires an engineering analytical mind. You have to make decisions, react to those decisions, make new decisions. If you're looking for speed, you're likely not going to get quality. Right. Or, or budget. So, or let's, let's say, your budget to go the furthest or provide the most amount of ROI for you. So 
I, um, yeah, with our developers, I always keep saying that, you know, our culture is to do things methodical, planned ahead. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be last hour of the last day scrambling to essentially, you know, pull off a miracle. And that's why we have a, we, we have a no hero policy. No one, no one's a superhero. We don't want heroics. We want stability, accountability, reliability. That's what we're going for because, you know, it should, we're building pipes. The pipes yeah. need to work. If you, if you flush the bathroom and it floods the building, <laughs> you, you got a big problem. You're in a world of shit. You're in a world perfect. <laughs> You're in a world of shit. <laughs> now that's, I, I absolutely love that. You know, a lot of this, of course, stems from you and who you are and you've built a culture around that. And, and it's amazing, um, within your, within your company. So obviously doodle applications and it's, uh, we'll get to the, uh, the spinoff dev noodle momentarily mm -hmm. here, but so doodle applications, where did that come from? Did you always have an interest in tinkering with websites? You know, where, how did that come about? Give you the, uh, as much of the abbreviated version as I can. So Doodle itself came from my junior year in college. One of my buddies was bored in his finance class, was eating a banana, took the sticker off the banana and started, put it on his notebook and started doodling around it. And he said, whoa, what if there were ads and notebooks and we could, you know, we can give free notebooks to students and it would have ads and then they could nice. interact with them. They could, you know, do whatever. And so we think we were thinking time on page, right? That relates to back, yep. you know, back to websites, but time on page. How long does an average page of notes last? 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes the entire class. You're on one sheet of paper. And so you're interacting for probably the longest amount of time with an ad mm -hmm. that you would see anywhere else. So that's, that's where the idea started for Doodle. We built it up. We had 14 different students working on it. A third of them were from Tyler School of Art. Uh, we had a bunch of business school students, advertising students working from um, the business school, uh, Fox School at Temple. And we went around to local businesses and got them to buy ad space within these notebooks. And the goal was to make 27,000 notebooks for each of the 27,000 uh, students of Temple. So we did that. We started like middle of junior year and we did it until senior year we sold some ads right we, we we were selling the features and not really um sure you know towards towards the actual problem we did a lot we, we went for a patent because we thought we had the greatest idea ever and there was a lot of missteps so about six months after i graduated we wound down the company and all kind of went our separate ways i ended up taking full ownership and saying that i would pay back the like the money that we raised, which friends and family. So like, okay, like we got to pay these people back. We didn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I want a hundred percent of Doodle. And so we did that. I took Doodle and then I just put it to rest and got a real job. And while I was working in the real job, I was really, really bored and started a little eBay business with a buddy of mine. Didn't really like how that was going. Um, started a solar company with two other friends and that was a possibility. And then also the company asked me to, they were doing SEO work on the website and mm -hmm. they asked me to oversee the work. Um, uh, and I told them, I don't know anything about SEO, but if I, you know, if you 
pay for this training that I found for $600. I'll learn and then I can actually you know, be of use. So I did the training, learned a bunch of stuff that was really eye-opening. Uh, went back to Kitty, you know, second mm-hmm. friend in America, who you know well, and uh, said, hey, you should be doing this for your business. And he has a uh, sports performance training business uh, where he trains athletes. And he was creating a lot of content, a lot of YouTube videos back in 2010. Like he nice. had, he was doing like two videos a week back in 2010 for, oh, a, for like two years. And I said, you don't have any keywords. He's like, what are keywords? So I was like, okay, these are keywords. You want to put in Warhees, New Jersey, Marlton, New Jersey, personal trainer, sports performance. Dude, within like six weeks, his phone was ringing off the hook. He, he called me. I remember I was in my old job calling me. He's like, dude, this shit really works. This shit really works. He's like, people are just calling me. And so we looked at his placement and he's just like claiming like number one, two, and three positions for all of those areas. Nice. Yeah. So he was, he was raking it in. And so he's like, you know, people are finding me. They're going to my website. I need a new website. By the way, you know, you should do SEO stuff. So started working on his website and then started just telling friends and family like, Hey, I do SEO now. I do web, you know, I do, um, oh wait, no, we weren't. We weren't doing websites yet. I was just doing SEO. Doing SEO, started telling people that, you know, I do SEO services. And then this girl, I know, her mom had an e-commerce shop, very mm. old e-commerce shop where she sold vintage jewelry. And she said, uh, she said, I want you to do, I want to have traffic on my site. And I looked at her site. I was like, if people even come here, like they're not going to shop because like your website is just so outdated. Like it doesn't make sense. There's like not good navigation. They anything like they just literally have to scroll through thousands of antique jewelry wow um and she said okay build me a site like okay um <laughs> so built her built her website so my, my first site out of the gate was e-commerce i uh, figured out used wordpress did it myself seo'd it that was good and then i started offering that to other people in in the mix that kiddio's new website and then started mark you know kind of just telling people and then eventually got to the point where I was spending most of the time at work doing this, and that was becoming a problem. And so I ended up leaving and doing this full time. Nice. So it was a lot easier to do back then. I used to live with my parents, so expenses sure. were low. So I was able to quit, start doing this full time, and slowly start building that up. And then what I realized is SEO changes a lot, mm-hmm. and so does development, and I couldn't keep up with all of it. So at one point we were doing SEO, social media, and websites, and I decided that I'm going to go all in on websites. And then from there, what happened is people started asking for their website to do more. Could my website connect to my warehouse? Could it connect to my QuickBooks? Mm. Um, And so we started creating integrations. And then it got to a certain point where I had to make a decision of, am I going to be a super doer, and I'm going to just grow this and do myself? and collect, you know, all the revenue that comes in from each project, or am I going to hire others? And so initially I started hiring others. I was using sites back in, back then, uh, before Upwork, right? Like freelancer.com and all these to find people worked with freelancers from pretty much every, you know, every point in the world and start, started really coming back to, uh, the mentality that Eastern European developers had found some, some really good Eastern developers. Uh, Eastern European developers to work with. Sure. Um, in a couple cases, ended up kind of buying out their contracts that they had with other companies so they could work with me. And we just started building this. And so we eventually started doing 
still websites, and then we went into um, web apps, and then mobile apps, business automation software, and we kind of became this website kind of jack of all trades. And so I started looking back at that, and through some help from like Frank uh, Momolo, who's a business consultant, like looking looking at the business and saying, okay, where you have the best margins? What's the best business? What's the best business model within this to lean into? I really found that websites are the best business, and that's my team knew that most. We had we had the fastest turnaround time for that, good margins at great rates to clients. So like our um, our close rate was pretty much almost 100 percent because wow. we are providing we're providing project management services from the U.S. with development from Ukraine, mostly sure, Ukraine sure. and some other Eastern European countries as well. And so we just started slowly like picking up the price, picking up the price because um, we were we were very cheap for a very long time. And so as a ways to stay that cost effective when we were doing a lot more and we had a lot more systems built, I was either thinking we could charge twelve to $15,000 for an information-based website or maybe there's a different model. And that's kind of how we went into the DevNoodle concept, which is a, mm-hmm. a subscription service. So you don't, there's no upfront large cost for a website, but it's only for companies that need to keep their website maintained up to date and actually get business online. If you, if you get business online, your website needs to be managed, maintained, probably going to be adding content to it. And so we created this plan, which is there's no large upfront cost. We provide unlimited support for websites, unlimited pages and management. It's all you know, baseline subscription. So that's how that kind of transition. We went all in on websites. And then I personally did some some consulting for them. So we're going to take this opportunity to get our second break in. Sit tight. See you on the other side of this. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Joseph Jaffe hosts a great podcast called Collective Cafe to Go. Joseph. Tell listeners what to expect from the show. The Collective Cafe is a virtual coffee experience, which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, as you get ready for work. We talk business, marketing, entrepreneurship with live book reads and open mic sessions. Awesome. And where can people subscribe? Follow me. Follow at Jaffe Juice on social media. Find the show at marketingpodcast.net or search for Collective Cafe to Go wherever you get your favorite podcast. You heard him. Go subscribe. I'd love to hear your opinion on... So, so my journey is the opposite of yours, you know, through high school. I put the high in high school, I guess we could say. I loved, smoked a lot of weed, wrote a lot of code. That was my, that was my hobby in high school, just to keep my mind occupied. So started building websites and then got asked the question, oh, what's the, what's this whole thing about getting this, this ranked on Google? And then that became my obsession from there. And drifted away from websites. So, you know, I, I kind of look at websites the way you look at SEO, where it's like, you know what, design trends change too much. What actually works in a website changes too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on, you know, what you're seeing as far as what is it really that small businesses, medium-sized businesses should pay attention to with their websites 
And I think that's going to segue well into more detail about how DevNoodle fits that. Yeah. First thing, as a small business owner or a medium-sized business, I mean, any any dollar you spend should have ROI attached to it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to put money into your website, you're going to put money into social media, the goal should be, how am I going to produce something that will then convert into ROI? Now, granted, as you as you said many times, you don't want to walk up to someone at dinner, mm-hmm. slap your you know slap your business card on the table and say, "Call me, see you later." But you know, how do you build that community? How do you build the trust around your business? The, you know, the, the validation that you are an expert in, in what you do. And so everything that you're doing with your website should encourage that. And so some some of the things that I see as really valuable for your website is, especially as a small business, your aunt, your website needs to answer a number of questions before someone reaches out. Mm-hmm. When someone's coming to your website, one, well, it needs to load fast, right? Because where no one's waiting more than three seconds. And yeah. I think, if, Sean, you, you have the stat, right? Like for every second that it takes a website to load, you, you lose what? 20% of your conversion rate. Okay. So five seconds and you're down to nothing. It's gone. Yep. Yeah. So website speed is huge. When they get on your website, you have to understand where they're coming from because they came there on a mission. Mm-hmm. They're not just they're not just lazy, you know, browsing like they might be, you know, on Amazon or just like you know, right. they're they're coming there to get something. I, I feel so like uh, came, I feel like researching plumbers today. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah, like, it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah, your your toilet's overflowing because Alex didn't lay the pipe properly in in the uh, plumbing exactly. system. Call back to the beginning of the episode. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's 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 important to meet them where they are. So if they came from a search, and the search was Plumber Philadelphia, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to meet that search. Maybe they came from a search of you know toilet not flushing, mm. and, but they get Plumber Philadelphia. They're not ready for that. They want to know why my toilet's not flushing. Sure. So it's important to meet them where they are, meaning you need to bring them to a landing page that answers the request that they had on Google. And in fact, Google's meeting them halfway there by pulling information from your site, displaying it in search. So if you meet them where they are, you have to guide their journey down. So what are they looking for their journey? First of all, they're asking themselves, I landed on this page and they're experienced now, right? People have been searching for many, many years now. They know what they're looking for. They land on your site. You have a sophisticated buyer who's looking at your site, is this what I'm looking for? If it's not what I'm looking for, I'm going on. So you need to first address the question that they had. Then once they validate that, yeah, this seems to be what I'm looking for, they read further. And as they read further, you need to show them that you're the expert or you're the place where they should shop, that you know, you're backed by, you know, some validation. If you're a plumber, for example, are you insured, you know, properly licensed, uh, right. do you have awards or, you know, do you have Angie's list to, to give them the validation? Then, you know, how about other people's use, use this? So testimonials and feedback, and then you get more into, so you address, yes, this is the place they're looking for. Here's some information to validate, you know, that you're in the right place. And then I'm the expert to tell you that this is, uh, this is what you're looking for. And then you can go into, and they could, you know, then you want to lead them to some type of call to action. And so if you're doing that properly and you're spending money, you know, uh, running ads or you're in investing in SEO or any type of social media, 
you need to have a lot of landing pages. You can't mm-hmm. just drive people to your homepage. Right. It's got to match. Absolutely. And, and to really drill in on one of the points that you mentioned, you know, it's not 2000, 2005 anymore, where there, back then the internet was kind of a novelty in a way. You know, I mean, it was like, oh, this, it's, it's this cool little thing. Who knows, who knows what it's going to mean in the future? But now it, you think about how it's influenced us so much down to not just our online activity. And, and the point that I'm trying to make is it's, it's not this novelty thing anymore where somebody lands on whoever they click on first and that's mm-hmm. who they're probably going to call. It's not that way anymore. People right. are. They're looking to factor in with it. People are very sensitive to being scammed, ripped off. Like people have to feel like, oh, I'm going to hand over my hard earned dollar. You know, so every business owner needs to be concerned about ROI with everything that they do, of course, but also understand that the consumer needs to make sure they're getting value. And that value starts to be built when they, the moment that they're looking through your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're, you're building trust without ever having met someone. All right. Absolutely. So you have to, you have to do it with proof of your expertise, social proof that other people have trusted you to do it, reviews, right? Yep. Um, accreditation, awards, all of that matters, little text underneath buttons. Right. That makes makes the button click more, you know, seem less risky. Absolutely. Yeah. All so, that matters. And I think that's where the dev noodle. Right. And we're going to dive into that more now. This show is about, you know, sharing insights on what marketing is in the 2020s. But it's also about being in business and how do marketers survive when there's frankly just so many of us out there now. Mm-hmm. So the way that you look at it, you know, and, and I know Dev Noodle came out of, you know, a lot of strategic conversations. What was the main driver of launching a subscription-based website service when it seems like you were doing pretty well with just, you know, kind of the, the way that everyone knows about it? Yeah, I think there is, um, it's, uh, the, the way that it usually is where you pay for a developer's or an agency's set of hours or you do a project with them where you have a, like a limited scope. You want to do something else. It's another scope. It's limiting opportunities come and go very quickly. And every business, especially one that's competing online needs to be nimble, needs to adjust, needs to stay up to date. You know, not only are customers potentially fleeting, but also there's issues with security, right? So mm. if every time you have to make a decision, should I pay for updates on my website to make sure it's secure? It's just, it shouldn't Jeez. be that way, right? You should just, you right. should just have your, you should be able to do whatever you want, change whatever content you want on your website to so that your website is always representative of your business. Yeah. And so that maybe your business is seasonal. Maybe your business is having certain sale. Maybe your business added a new employee, right? It, you, you sh- it shouldn't be an extra cost every time or a decision. And it goes both ways, right? So we onboard a client, we'll do a project with them, finish the project, deliver it. 
it's launched. Next time they say we need we need to do something else, we have to estimate it, figure out how many hours are involved, come back sure. to them. They have to agree to it. The parameters, maybe certain things are cut, some things are added. It's three weeks later. Whereas you're on the subscription, you have peace of mind that your website's always going to be up. There's an issue, you got someone to call. We're going to update your website all the time for you, mm -hmm. uh, at least once a month. And when you want to add new pages, you just you just kick them over to us. And so yep. that three weeks is gone. It's it's not a drain for us because we don't have to go back and forth. And right, we make nothing when we're estimating. And the time that it takes to estimate takes a lot of time. Like if like I haven't seen too many, uh, you know, uh, SOWs or statement, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, from other dev agencies. But the ones that I've seen, they're all pretty elaborate. Mm. Right? And what and what happens with every project? Usually, if it's a full project, things get changed, and so yeah. you you spend half a day going through the grueling detail of writing out exactly what's going to be in your statement of work, and now you're four months into the project, and it changes anyways. Yeah, yep. You know, or you could yeah, be that's a great point. You could be two weeks into the project, right? And then like you got some design done, and so, so after the design. We have the ability to amend, and it's just this, it's the back and forth that's not needed. And so I think it's, as a business owner, I mean, both, you know, for, as a development agency owner and as a business owner for just a small business, you want to make a decision that allows you to move. Absolutely. At the, at the speed that you need to move. Absolutely. And so if that, if that costs a certain amount per month, you can plan on that. So again, because I know you and we, we talk regularly, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the loop with, where dev noodle is positioned but i i think what's really unique too for you is you know you're not necessarily just always approaching businesses with this approach how are you viewing partnerships as part of the endeavor with dev noodle and what i've what i've learned i've been a part of a number of startups what i've learned is i work better as a team member as opposed to a uh, soloist and i think that even if you're not in the same business, you can still do that by creating partners. Mm. So, you know, take the situation, like how many projects have you and I worked on, right? You, right. you handle the marketing end, we handle the website end. And what happens for us and the client? One, we get to collaborate and we get to bounce things off the wall to each other. And when you do that, you dive deeper into solutions. And for, so that helps clients as well, because ultimately whatever we whatever the result is, is more thought out, you know, with, with, with a better approach. Uh, and so we've, we've been positioning our services to, uh, to marketers, marketing agencies, and also to web developers and mm -hmm. web development agencies. Some developers, either their agency doesn't have, doesn't have the capacity to do maintenance. Maybe they don't have the capacity to do the informational sites or whatever it is. There's, we saw a big problem with managing bench time. Right. So mm. even whether a marketing agency, development agency, you you're hiring and firing, or let's say hiring and laying off and laying off people based on the demand that you have coming in. Right. But demand goes like this, right? Whether economic forces or your sales efforts, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it ebbs and flows. What do you do with the people that you've hired? And what what do you do when you don't have work for them? Right. They're sitting on the bench. So then you lay some people off because you don't have the work, and then once you know it, a month later. You're overwhelmed with work and you don't have enough people. And so we created this, we created this model where you don't pay us like you're paying an employee for a marketer and for, or a developer or an agency. You can add the subscription to any project. 
that you need. And so while that project is active, you have our services. And for us, it's easier because it's a, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a one to many approach. Um, mm-hmm. we, um, I'm always big and I, I have a quote up on one of my whiteboards that says long term games with long term people. Mm-hmm. It's from, uh, from Naval. And that's, you know, I don't want to be a soloist as much as always I thought I was an introvert. I realized that like by definition, I get my energy from being around other people. Sure. And so I love the, cor- the collaboration. And- I prefer, you know, partnerships rather than getting our own Love customers. That. Love that. And it speaks to, like, I know one of your life philosophies, you know, at least at this point now, you, you know, in your, in your mid thirties, early mid thirties, you know, you're thinking about like, I'm using this time to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've applied that to like, there, there's so many businesses that are just, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to keep everything close to the chest. They don't want to turn the reins over to someone else because they think someone's going to steal something. You know, there's a very limited mindset, but you know, you kind of kicked the door open and said, Hey, we're all doing the same thing, you know, with getting websites online. Of, Of course, the, the approach is different for everybody, but you're getting websites up and running at the end of the day mm-hmm. and you you mold well into teams and you know kind of lifelong commitment to being a collaborator has you know seemingly served you well <laughs> where it's it's opened this door for you and you know dev noodles doing doing well now yeah yeah we have um we have a a long way to go we just started um but yeah it's uh it's all about the it's it's all about the relationships at the end of the day like who who do you want to work with and I enjoy working with other business owners. Um, I enjoy working with people that want to think through. They're interested in mm-hmm. what they're doing. They want to think through. Uh, just, I was I was never a good employee, terrible employee, but I'll, I was always a good team member. So going back to you know, I, I played sports as a kid. I always played. I always played team sports. Never enjoyed solo sports. I and one one of the most valuable lessons that I learned growing up playing sports is play to your position because you're you're part of a bigger strategy Love right? it. and so like granted you have um you get to have say in what that strategy is which is you know which, which is a great portion of having a good team you know? i've been lucky to have some really good mentorship around that as well or so, at least eye-opening mentorship and, and that's you know sometimes the best is because yeah. it's we we tend to as entrepreneurs we're stubborn at times but it's those moments that change your life when it's like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. And mm-hmm. sure enough, when you apply it, everything changes. That's actually one of the one of the big things in me deciding to bring other people in and not be a super doer is it affects your relationship with your client and your partners. If if you're the one that has to do every single piece of mm-hmm. your of your department's job you can't have or you'd have to be a saint i think to have a conversation where you're unbiased and looking at what is going to be the best Mm. for us as a collective as opposed without bias of this is going to suck for the next two months for me right right it's it's hard to detach that but if you if you are managing the work and making sure it's done properly you can i think you can think more clearly which is why i think it's very important for 
every project to have a proper project manager because the project manager needs to think through what are the problems that the client's having, what are the limitations of my development team, and be able to bridge the gap. If client spoke to developer, I've seen this. You 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 can have blowouts hmm. with that because like I did, you know, you asked me to do this, I did this for three weeks, hmm. and now you're asking me to do something else. Hmm. And the project manager is able to manage that conversation. And so I, I wanted to move to that side because I like being professional with clients. You know, I like things to be, you know, on good terms always. And you've run out of levers to pull if it's too direct. Yeah, love that. Well, I think that this episode was chock full of knowledge. Thank you for sharing your story, your insights, your experience and wisdom. Dev Noodles got a really bright future ahead of it because of who's behind it. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see it, you know, kind of as a semi-active participant in some of what you're doing. Yeah. It's, it's really, really cool to see, you know, thank you for your, for your friendship and for, for being on here and for, you know, doing life together. Thank you. Yeah. I feel the same way. Appreciate the, appreciate the friendship. Glad we're able to do life together. Uh, thank you for asking the questions that you did and diving in. Yeah, man. So it's always, uh, always easy and fun to talk about yourself. It's hard to ask the right question. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. I hope you all found this enjoyable and insightful. Uh, we're going to have a link, a bunch of links in the, uh, the show notes to everything that Alex is working on and maybe some other goodies in there. Be sure to check out other episodes, subscribe wherever it is that you're listening we would love to hear your feedback, so please feel free to review, leave a comment, or whatever else it is that you want to do to, uh, to let us know what you're thinking. We look forward to seeing you again next time on the next episode of Marketers Shooting the Shit. We'll see you then. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Joseph Jaffe hosts a great podcast called Collective Cafe to Go. Joseph, tell listeners what to expect from the show. The Collective Cafe is a virtual coffee experience, which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot as you get ready for work. We talk business, marketing, entrepreneurship with live book reads and open mic sessions. Awesome. And where can people subscribe? Follow me. Follow at Jaffe Juice on social media. Find the show at marketingpodcast.net or search for Collective Cafe to Go wherever you get your favorite podcast. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.